Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody, that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Good day. This is Alan, Secret to my success. Once again, here with Mr. Marcello. Chinsky. Hey, how are ya? How you doing? Doing well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. You feeling? You feeling like comfortable in this chair, huh? Yeah. Louis coming back, there. so we're gonna have to kick your butt out at some point. Well, that's fine, but that means I won't see Don anymore. He really? can come with you still, right? You know, we have a third chair. We have a, a third chair for a third a chair. Third chair. <laughs> nice, but no extra mic over there. Yeah, there is. Yeah, you, you take can, you take this one. Don told me that we'll she'd allow we'll you to share. sit on her lap. We'll share. Nice. Marcel's coming back. <laughs> Don, how are you? I'm good. I'm losing my voice, so I sound a little funny today. Really? But I'm really good, yeah. So, like, if we wait a little longer, it'll be totally gone? <laughs> You're not that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding, Don. Okay. We were all hoping he would lose his voice. <laughs> you suck. Happy New Year. It's 2023 already. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Time flies. Yes, so may I just say that Hopefully that the best day of 2022 is the worst day for you of 2023. That's an old Irish, uh, taken an Irish. Uh, that's good. That was good. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Leave, leave it to the mutt to start quoting Irish stuff. Hey, they usually have the best toast. I think it's because they drink more. You know, let's go with the stereotypes there. <laughs> Gotta like it. No Irish jokes. Okay. So we have a repeat guest. We have a guy that I've known for a long time, and he is back. Caleb Quaid. Hi, Caleb. Hello. Hey. You know, hey, Alan. Hey, guys. Hey, Marcella. I, I got to ask you. I mean, it's the coolest name ever, Caleb Quaid. It sounds like something from a, an old Western. That it does. <laughs> right? Yes. Caleb's in town. What do you think? Did you ever ask? Uh, yeah. Did you ever ask me? I, yeah. I, I love that name. I'm partial to it. Did you ever ask yeah. your parents how they came up with that? Uh, when, yeah, Caleb's a Caleb's a Bible name, and Quaid is actually a name that I chose for myself. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lovely name. Quaid is a name you chose for yourself. Explain that. It is. Yeah, it was, it's not my birth name. It was a changed name when I was in college. Get out of here. Good choice, yeah. though. You just randomly yeah. woke up one day and said. I'm going to change my last name. Um, I don't know that it was random, but it was you know something done with consideration, with thought, and with my parents' consent and discussions. And it's a you know na- names are, are a lovely thing, and I chose to have a, a name I love. Okay, so what was your former name? It was Kasamznak. I love Quaid. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, what made you pick Quaid? What was what was the attraction to Quaid? Um, you know, it, it had been a name like so in all the way through high school. Or something. At some point, I, I I liked 
the letter Q, a little, little bit of an initial sound. I like it being one syllable and like the idea of it being basically impossible to mispronounce if seen on paper, which was quite different than, than my old last name and current middle name. Um, and so Caleb Quaid, you know, I get to open up podcasts talking about how lovely a name Caleb Quaid is. Wasn't there a, ca- a movie character named Quaid, if I recall correctly? There was, yeah. The, uh, the protagonist, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall, was Quaid. That, that was it. That was, yeah, you can't kick it much cooler than that. That's there you go. Wild. <laughs> I knew there was a connection here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Caleb, let's talk. You've come a long way. For anybody who has not heard his previous stories, you should be listening to him. But, Caleb, you went from your Super Bowl ring for the Tampa Bay Bucks to waking up the next day and saying, now what? Yeah, pr- yeah, pretty much. I um, spent 10 years with the Bucks, and as you mentioned, got the, the Super Bowl ring out of it. Um, but, you know, got through that season. That was actually a big eye-opener for me. I got um, – towards the end of that season, I had the opportunity. I was hired by the NFL to um, help with stadium operations and work for the Super Bowl, which if you're in the little fraternity of the NFL, that's a really – big thing because the way that you get to be on the circuit and work all the Super Bowls for the rest of your career is to, you know, work one and, and kind of go from there. And, you know, I had the choice when the, the Glazers gave um, the opportunity for, for me to have two Super Bowl tickets and go with my uh, my best friend of 25 years. I had the opportunity to say, well, I don't work, do I want to work this game? Or, you know, if I'm you know, if I'm not going to go and sit in my home stadium and watch the team I've worked with for 10 years play in the Super Bowl with my best friend for 25 years, what am I, what am I actually working for? When am I going to smell the roses? And so getting through that and winning the Super Bowl, like in dominant fashion over the Chiefs, like the Bucks did and get the Super Bowl ring. I don't think I knew it right at that Super Bowl day, but I was, knew it was maybe getting towards the end of that passion and looking for something new. So you had this really cool idea. And just a unique concept to what you were going to go next. But I, I have to equate it as you jumped off the mountain without a parachute and figured it out. Uh, yeah. So I am I'm now um, in my company is called Regenerative Shift, and it's focusing on environmental consulting around nature-based practices. So looking at the way that we manage our buildings in conjunction with soil and land and air um, following kind of the patterns in nature, and there's a lot more if you want to learn about it. There's a lot more to, to dive into there. But it is, you know, the sustainability has been around for a long time, but the buzzword of regeneration, regenerative practices outside of agriculture is really in its infancy. And so I was, um, you know, one of the companies that decided to take a look at this and say, well, this has practical business applications to it. There are things that can be done to, to make this part of corporate sustainability plans and decided to, to take that leap and try and carve out a niche, and glad I did. So it's interesting. You had worked for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and Coldplay was coming into the stadium to do a concert. They had some certain requirements that needed your expertise. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so they, they did, and we, I ended up having some discussions with the stadium. Um, didn't end up formally working on the on the Coldplay concert, just I know one of the last times we talked, it looked like I was going to. But Coldplay, they came in and had this entire renewable energy initiative. I think they had people trying to bicycle to power the lights on the on the stage. They But the stadium ended up doing a composting program 
um, and eliminating single-use plastics for the event and doing a lot of things around, you know, Coldplay's desires there for, for sustainability at the stadium is pretty cool. So one of the projects you had worked on, instead of a big concrete fence or metal, you came up with a new idea. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so kind of a cool story. When I was first launching Regenerative Shift, I was, you know, in the process of telling friends and former coworkers about it and the idea of, hey, you can, you know, make decisions that are, you know, more based on life and solve the same business goals. And one of the guys at the stadium, uh, the senior vice president of operations, said, well, Caleb, I have a purchase order on my desk to buy an 1,100-foot aluminum fence. You know, is there something different we should do? And that was the first discussion. Um, I think when I was on the first podcast with you, we were verbal, but it hadn't happened yet. But we ended up planting an 1,100-foot um, bamboo and native plant living fence. So it's alive. It's growing. It's um, The stadium had a curb-jumping problem where, um, cars, F1, F-350s and stuff were, were driving through bushes and, and leaving the parking lot after the game. And they, you know, we're going to solve that with the aluminum fence. But instead of that, we put in a living fence of bamboo, which will stop the cars for sure. Native plants, which will provide some habitat for the bugs and birds and, and, uh, butterflies that are around and do all that in a way that is, in my opinion, substantially more beautiful, certainly better for the environment, um, sequestering some carbon through the bamboo into the soil, providing the habitat for the birds and bees, and we did it for less money than the cost of an aluminum fence. So it was able to check a lot of boxes and provide, um, you know, this high-profile project of taking these regenerative concepts to, to you know, the NFL. And is this still in use over in, uh, at, in Tampa? Yep, it's growing. It's uh, I drive by it every uh, couple weeks and see see how it's doing. It's bamboo's getting big. I, I don't believe any cars have run through it this year, so it's going so so far so good. Have any other uh, NFL NFL or Major League Baseball or any other sports stadiums looked at this and said, "Hey, we want this too." You know, I, I don't I don't know. I haven't had any conversations directly. Oh, I did with the with the Miami Dolphins at one point, but nothing that's come to fruition. Um, but it is, it's the best practice in sports. It's the first regenerative planting project that took place in North American professional sports. And, um, it makes a lot of sense. And so part of what I'm trying to do with my firm, whether it's work I'm directly doing or just raising the education on it is let people know about these types of things and, and realize that, you know, this was one relatively small business decision that a stadium was making on a given day that I happen to have a conversation with them. There are, business decisions and personal decisions that we are making on a daily basis in our, you know, in our companies and in our own lives that we can put life at the center of and make a little, you know, with a little bit of that thought can, can make choices that are creating life as opposed to extracting life. I have a neighbor that must be listening to the show because they were actually, they built up a berm in front of their house and then they put all these bamboo plants and it cool. went from being totally exposed to you can't see anything now and they had an opening and they put a metal gate in there just so they could totally close it off but it looks it reminds me of you all the time that the average person wouldn't have thought to do this it's pretty amazing that considering what the cost would be to put an aluminum fence or something else or an ugly wood fence that's coming down yeah, well, ba- bamboo's really, I mean, it's an amazing plant. There's, I just went through another bamboo workshop relatively recently. There's 2,800 different types of varieties of it, so kind of for whatever you're looking for, size, growth patterns, 
um, you can you can find a plant for it. But what makes bamboo amazing, in addition to all of its uses that you can use, you can turn it. In, some of them are edible. Some of them are um, building materials and a lot of things that you can make things out of. But they are they're very fast growing. Some some bamboo is the fastest growing plant in the world, and fast growing equals carbon sequestration. Um, so when a plant grows really quickly, it takes carbon that's in the atmosphere and carbon dioxide, breathes that in breathes out the oxygen and grows using the carbon that's in there, which is, you know, and stores the carbon in the soil, which is much more useful than in the atmosphere with what we're dealing with with the climate change scenario. So bamboo has a lot of very practical purposes on a macro level for, for climate as well. But whether it's bamboo, um, any type of plant or, or a variety of different other ways, it's just kind of looking at how do you change the mindset of a decision so that when you're making a decision that you're looking at my tagline is putting life at the center. So how do you put life at the center of your business, life at the center of your home, life at the center of decision-making? Does bamboo require a lot of watering or what else do you have to do in order to set that up? It depends. Um, so it, again, depends on the type, um, but the bamboo to live requires very, very, at least in the region of Florida, I mean, requires no watering essentially. We'll get enough from the rainwater there. If you That's want awesome. it to grow quickly for specific business purposes, like stopping F-350s from going through it, and you have six months in an off season, you, you want to water it and give it some uh, some food. But to live, you know, so it sort of depends on, on what you're trying to do with it. Hmm. So tell us about projects you got going on. Yeah, so some been been really fortunate to to take off. I got a lot of publicity around the the uh, Raymond James Stadium fence project. Um, working with right now, I'm working with a couple different companies. One of which is uh, Ellison Construction, which is a large Tampa-based um, constru- general contractor. They've they're working with me to kind of look at an overhaul of their um, their their marketing and environmental plan around you know, these regenerative practices over time. So, you know, at kind of the early stages, we've implemented a composting program with them and have worked with them to eliminate single-use plastics from their headquarters and soon-to-be job sites. Um, and then we did some fun planting projects. They um, put a um, – they did, like, a planting project of a native butterfly garden right outside of their offices and then also donated one to a local elementary school um, that that is – you know, hosting you know hosting butterflies and letting um, caterpillars grow up on them and, and turn into chrysalises and fly away, which is really cool. And then we also kind of the craziest thing we've done with them is we uh, put vegetable gardens on construction sites. So they have this uh, zero lot line project that doesn't have really any green space on it right now. That's going to be a multi-family, um, you know, com- mixed-use commercial space, and. We have uh, above ground vegetable garden growing tomatoes and arugula and basil, and it's got um, kumquat and fig trees and mulberry all on the site right there. Um, so even while construction is taking place, is a place for some life to be created, which I think is pretty cool. And have you ex- expanded outside of the uh, Tampa area at all, or? Um, I, I'm I'm mostly in Tampa. One of my clients is, is based out of the Western United States, um, but that that's done remotely. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much working in Tampa, generally speaking, at this point. Um, looking to expand in 2023, not necessarily geographically, but looking at most of my work right now has been focused on business to business type stuff, and I'm still doing that. But that's I'm looking to add a like a residential division, regenerative shift home, which would be focused more on on bringing some of these concepts to people's homes and putting life at the center of home. How viable is a living roof? 
Living, so living roofs, depending on what you're trying to get from them, can be very viable. Um, you, you plant the right plants, and they basically are a self-contained ecosystem that don't need um, that don't need much care. I have not worked with with living roofs. I think they you have to have the right type of application for them, and then and there's also some trade-offs that come with something like that. Because, for example, like one of the main ways for a home or, or a business to get renewable energy in Florida would be through solar. Um, that's not really all that compatible with a living roof typically. So it kind of depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I've seen the one out in Ford. They've got this huge building with a living roof. It's pretty wild. Nice. And it's just so weird. That's the only place I've ever seen it. You would think that there's got to be some flat top warehouse spaces that could really keep their building cool by doing something like that. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a, well, there's a lot. I mean, I think part of, why you don't see that is it, it, it takes a pretty specialized skill set in order to set those up and do that. So there's just not a lot of, uh, whether even if there's demand for it, there's not a lot of supply of companies that would, would do that. The, you know, in, to keep your building cool, more practically accessible things would be um, solar panels actually help keep your, your building cool because it keeps the stuff directly off of there. But then insulation um, and ventilation of your attics and things like that for anybody's home almost always has good return on investment and with the uh, inflation reduction act that just got signed into law there's rebates and basically almost free for a, a majority of homeowners to to get some of these energy efficiency projects done on their home i'd like you to tell me which ones they are because everybody comes to me and says oh yeah yeah zero cost blah 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 when they come to your house it's ninety thousand dollars yeah well <laughs> yeah so they're yes that that, that that is part of it but they're the inflation reduction act it's still some of the um, paperwork is being finalized. I'm following it closely, but I know they're they're offering tax credits on energy audits that you can bring to your home or business. That will um, so if you pay somebody to come in and give you the advice to tell you what you need to do to be more energy efficient, you can get a rebate on that. Solar has always had a huge rebate that goes on it. Right now, it's a 30% tax credit for businesses and for homes. So when you install the system, 30% of that comes right off your tax bill. Um, the uh, and insulation, I think it's $1,600 a home for um, insulation that you can get as a tax credit as well that's coming through with this, this new law that's got a lot, of, a lot of paperwork to read through to get finalized, but it's, it's coming. That's pretty cool. Don, you want, a new, you want a new roof? Yeah. Solar? Need a new roof and a new fence. Oh, there goes the mic. New roof, new fence. I'm actually going to do that bamboo. I think it's a brilliant idea. That, yeah. 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 I have a fence that's kind of ugly in my yard, and it's at some point going to fall down and think about just putting bamboo in front of it mm-hmm. and so i could look at a bamboo fence and it'll <laughs> keep that fence propped up so it never goes anywhere what do you think about that caleb i love it i love it yeah <laughs> just get the, you want to pick the type of bamboo most bamboo will grow to be 20 or 30 feet tall um you know there's certainly varieties the one at the stadium will stop at about 12 feet um but you want to pick the right variety that grows at the right pattern that you want um so but, what, yeah. what's the best, what would be the best one, say, for residential, right, uh, to replace a fence? Um, it's a, it, it, a lot of that would depend on what you're trying to block. So the one at the stadium is um, is Golden Goddess, which is a, a one of the smallest bamboos that grows really well here in Florida. Um, one that I have a, um, a bamboo partner that I work with who does a lot of work with Seabreeze, which grows. So it's a little bit of a bigger bamboo still fast growing but like grows to like 25 feet which in the bamboo world is about like a nice smaller bamboo hmm. um seabirds is one that, that works a lot um angels mist if you have a um a pool enclosure um 
Angel's Mist like has it's thinner at the base and then like kind of plumes out like a tree at the top and doesn't shed, so it doesn't lose its leaves. So you can put those on around your pool and it provides shade for your pool without having leaves falling in it all the time, which I know a lot of people don't like about trees around pools. I like the Golden Goddess. I'm just gonna pick it by name. <laughs> is that, is yeah. that bad? Has somebody but called you a, before the Golden Goddess? Uh, that's good. And that was that grows 12 feet. I think you said right. The Golden Goddess. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah in about three years, it'll be 12 feet high and about two but, or three feet around. But does it shed? Golden Goddess will shed. Okay. So if I plant this and it's shedding on my neighbor's yard on the other side of the fence, that becomes a problem. That becomes your um, problem. How do they shed? Like, how? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not familiar with that. I guess explain that to me. The so, bamboo well, is just so like small dep- pieces. Depends on the size of the the, the comb, um, but generally speaking, they'll either um, the comb will break and fall, um, which will be, you know, that's typically your okay. smaller bamboo. So, golden goddess will have some of that. Like the whole thing will fall and then decay onto the ground, or it has they have leaves. Bamboo <laughs> trees have leaves, just like a, an oak tree loses leaves from time to time certain bamboos will you know will shed those leaves and shed their columns over time it's not it's it's nothing crazy but it, it does depend like if you're planting it around a pool you, you, know, you want to choose the type that is not going to put a whole bunch of leaves in your pool just like you wouldn't want to choose a you'd want to choose an evergreen tree as opposed to a tree that loses its leaves in the in the fall around a pool and stuff as well how high does that angel mist grow like 30 feet, 35 feet, it's a, it's a good size one, but not, not, not huge. Some bamboos grow over 100 feet tall, so when you're talking bamboo, it's a little relative. 100 feet tall, I live by the airport, that'd be a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Caleb, i got to ask you a question. I mean, this is all good for the environment. We talk about global warming a lot in the, the media, and it seems like there's either people that are totally, we have to do something, or groups of people that say it doesn't exist, and they don't believe. How many people come to you when you talk about what you're doing, try and dismiss your plan because they don't believe in global warming? So, yeah, I, don't, I haven't really come across too much of that. Good. And, you know, and practically speaking, you know, some of what I'm talking about doing, it doesn't require faith or, you know, or, you know, some kind of macro level, right? Like, so... Um, I, and I do a lot of traditional sustainability stuff as well with, with corporations. It's certainly not all bamboo, although that you know when you do a project that gets notoriety, you become the bamboo fence guy. It turns out, but the um, you know like so it, you can plant like in my area, I have in my yard a Florida firebush. It's, it's a um, native plant that's got these really beautiful flowers on it. It's a big hummingbird and butterfly and bee pollinating plant, right and. Any one of you, if you're in Florida, could take that one plant and plant that in the middle of your yard and do nothing else. They'll keep the grass the same way it is. And, you know, in three, four months, you'd have more butterflies, more bees, more um, hummingbirds in, in your yard, right? And so that doesn't, take, um, that doesn't take faith in some kind of global science narrative around global warming to realize that, that that's creating more life. That's providing habitat. That's doing something in my yard here. Um, you know, these same principles have, have been done at a, at a massive scale. There was a project in China, the Lowe's Plateau, L-O-E-S-S Plateau, which over a, a 12-year period from 1995 to 2007 
did this at a much larger level than the one plant in my yard and did it over an area the size of Belgium, 35,000 square kilometers, wow. and showed that this, this could be done to both restore habitat and to sequester carbon and really turn basically, I mean, this area in China was so bad, it was like fed what's called the Yellow River because of how much runoff ran into it. And they, you know, are now turned that into fertile farmlands. And in one generation, like they've gone from illiterate subsistence farmers to their children going to the highest level universities, an incredible project um, that, that take a, that's taken place. You know, there, these principles have been done in Rwanda and in Ethiopia. There's an incredible documentary called Regreening the Desert that talks through how without adding any extra water and just changing the way the water flows and some of what you're doing to manage the land, they've turned deserts into oases. Some of this, I mean, at some point, yes, we got carbon in the atmosphere and we have you know, to work at this at a global level, and that's a big part of what I'm trying to do is is work at, you know, city levels and, you know, large-scale business levels to actually quantify and capture, you know, definable amounts of carbon and put it in the soil. There's something intuitive. I think people know that if you plant a, a plant that's got flowers on it, that, that the butterflies will come to it. And so it, it's less of a matter of faith and more of just a matter of intuition with most people that i found. And let's say a plant, man, how deep will the roots go? I, on a on a bamboo plant. So, bamboo roots actually don't really go deep, typically speaking. Um, so, there's two major families of bamboo. Um, there's running bamboos and clumping bamboos. And in almost every application that I could think of, unless you're really trying to grow massive amounts of bamboo over large areas, I'd recommend clumping bamboos. And that has to do with how the the root structure grows. So, running bamboos. If you've heard horror stories about them. It's guaranteed from a running bamboo because they, their, their roots grow sideways and shoots from the ground and will literally like can pop up a hundred feet away and just start growing over there. And you, know, you had no, no idea to know they're going. They're a very um, amazing plant in, in figuring out how to spread. Um, clumping bamboo, which is about half the varieties of bamboo and all of the three that I recommended in Sea Breeze and Golden Goddess and Angel's Mist there, those are all clumping. And so the, the roots really are just basically a ball. And they grow, like, in a little bit bigger circle. Sometimes, depending on the variety of clump, that clump can get pretty big. Like, there are varieties that have clumps that are, you know, 10-foot circles, but they're not, um, they're not going too deep, typically. It's about two to three feet down, even with the biggest ones. And then, you know, they, the, it will only grow in a very defined pattern year after year, sort of like how a trunk gets a little bigger, so will the root ball of these bamboos. Caleb, let me ask you, are you doing any type of uh, speeches, or you're going out to chambers, you're going to any of the construction associations and enlightening them on how they should be doing the regenerative shift? Yeah, I've, you know, I've been fortunate um, to get, in, including this podcast, to get invited on, on a handful of podcasts. I was uh, invited um, and honored to speak to the University of South Florida's uh, Global College of Sustainability to their faculty and students um, a couple months ago. I recently was a, a keynote speaker at the um, Florida Permaculture Convergence, which is a group that I, I highly respect. So, yeah, fortunately, these ideas that um, I'm sharing, I wouldn't say I'm coming up with, that I'm learning about and, and articulating are ones that, you know, unfortunately a lot of people haven't heard them, which is, you know, good and bad because, you know, people are interested in learning more about them. But, you know, obviously at some point we need to 
scale these things and, and get the word out there. So appreciate this opportunity um, to, to come on and spread the word a little bit. It's what I love to do. Caleb, how do they reach you? Um, I, I can be reached um, on, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn under Regenerative Shift is my company name. And then also on LinkedIn, Caleb Quaid. Um, you can find me there. And then regenerativeshift.com. There's a ton of information if you want to. We just touched a little bit on, on regeneration there's uh, you go to regenerativeshift.com right at the top of the page. It's new to regeneration. Start here, and you can click there and follow like a little pattern to to learn about what I do and and really more about the movement as a whole. Do you have a phone number somebody could call you? Yeah, it's eight one three five seven five forty four thirty three. Can you repeat that number, please? Eight one three five seven five forty four thirty three. Caleb, I am so proud of what you've accomplished. I've known you a long time. You're a good guy. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your success with us. We wish you the best. Alan, I, I appreciate it. It's been fun. I mean, you were the first podcast that I was on. I was thinking back. It was probably more than a year ago. I think it was more than a year ago. And um, at that stage of the business, I was, you know, like had, had a verbal but didn't have any, any clients really officially. And so it was nice to um, have a chance to, to have that early opportunity with you and um, look forward to more conversations over the years. Keep us up to date. We want to hear more. Uh, thank you. Appreciate thank you, it. Appreciate it. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Hi, this is Alan. I'm the president and CEO of Workgroup Payroll. Would you rather go to Tiffany's and pay Walmart prices or Walmart and pay Tiffany's prices? If you're with one of those big, large payroll companies, you are overpaying and getting insufficient services. Workgroup Payroll. We actually like small business. We will save you money and provide you the service that you expect. 877-222-2927. We can have you switch to us in less than five minutes. Alan, Workgroup Payroll, 877-222-2927. Good day. This is Alan, Secret to My Success, here with Mr. Marcelo Chinsky. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Like this cold front? I'm loving it. Gotta like it. It's just shorts and short sleeves. And a sweatshirt? Uh, no. If it gets a little, if it gets under maybe 60, I might try on a long sleeve shirt, but that's nice. about it. Dawn. Hi, Alan. Good day. Good day, Dawn. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. You look hot in that green Very scrub. Good. Thank you. Is and that I a scrub? Love, I love this cold weather, by the way. You do? I love it. Hot chocolate? Boots, you know. What did you just say? over here. Boots. Oh, okay. Boots. boots. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we're going to be see, seeing snorkel jackets over the weekend, I'm mm. sure, and all kinds of winter jackets. I'm going to put a fire up. Welcome to Florida. Yeah. I'm going to save money on my shredding. I'm going to put a big can and burn pit. things. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Marshmallows. 
I just wish it would. Over shredded s- documents. I just wish it would snow just once. Just once. It's not going to happen. Anyway. Who do we have today? We have Alan? a guest. We have a good old friend. Not that she's old, because if I say that, I'm going to get slapped in the face. <laughs> yes, you will. But we have <laughs> Amelia Capaccio. She's a return guest. Amelia, say something hey, what's going on? funny. <laughs> Give me something say, funny. Say something funny. Let's see. I don't know. The universe is the best place to be in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty thought-provoking. That's pretty <laughs> scary. <laughs> Right? Because Marcelo still believes the universe is flat. No. No. No? no. The world would be flat, but the universe is ongoing. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you it. So we have Amelia. Amelia and her brother, Frank, who is a weenie, and he was too shy to be on the show. I'm sorry, but I'm putting it out there. I want him oh, to listen and hear that, okay? Yes. I am so not cutting that either. Okay? I can cut that out. No, you're yeah. not cutting it out, okay? <laughs> so they were the family owners of Roma Pizza and Roma Sauces. So I was sad in the city that you had sold the Roma Pizza business in East Hartford, but I think it was That's probably long overdue. I did shit it too. 39 years, Al. It was a very long time. So we did what we had to do, and it was just time to move on. So it was all good. I had so much fun hanging out with your parents, your mom and your dad, when they had that little uh, countertop restaurant over there on Burnside Avenue before they moved over to your place now. and It, it just, was the best time. It really was. It was simple. It was easy. It was fun. It was uh, enjoyable to go to work. Um, but, yeah, that was a long time ago, Al. You know, but things, you, things you, think about, you think about your parents' story. They came over here and... Mom barely spoke English. Dad spoke a little English, and they worked real hard. It was and they, what they did was phenomenal. I, I'm like so proud of them of what they did. They left their country, their family, their friends. They just got up and said, "See you later, guys." Didn't know a word of English. Didn't have a dollar in their pocket. Um, very little. But uh, they just said, "I'm out of here. Let's go, let's go start a new life and let's make it better for us." And they and they did it the right way. They were, like you said, they worked hard every single day. Their goal was to be the best as possible, to do things the right way for their family. And I'm, I'm just like so, I'm proud. I'm honored that that they're my parents and what they did and what they accomplished, considering the situations that they were in. You know, so I just and I learned so much from them. It's like amazing. And I have a son; he's eight years old, and it's like I'm teaching him the same things that my mom and dad taught me. It's like, wow, did I really say that to him? You know, it's like, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> but uh, a lot, a lot of respect for my parents. A lot of um, just proud of what they did, what they accomplished. You know, so I remember when your father got his first Jaguar, and that was like uh, one of the happiest moments of his life. Oh, uh, like he, he accomplished. He loved, yeah, he loved he loved cars. And I do, I remember that day as well, too. I tell everybody that story. He was just so, he worked hard. He worked, you know, we all did, you know, from morning to close. And I guess that's the way it was, you know, back in the day was work hard and get what you want, you know, do the best that you can. And that's exactly what he did. So, um, yeah, it was a beautiful car. I drove it all the time. <laughs> I, I think it is so important that hard work is important, but rewarding yourself. Because if Absolutely. you don't take enough time or do something for yourself, all that hard work, it starts to bother you. Like, why am yeah, I doing it? it? No, it's, it's, it's great. It's a beautiful thing when it all works out that way. So, yeah, it's good stuff. And so amazing how successful you were that you went from that little place on Burnside Avenue right yeah. over to that to that 
bigger restaurant right there on the at the yeah. S at the S curve, on uh, I think on Burnside Avenue. You started the uh, pizza sauce, and you guys had great food. I do remember that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was simple. It was it was quality. My father was a top notch guy. He was like, listen, always get the best. If you got to charge a little bit more, it's okay. But you're giving them quality, and that's it. Right. You know, he never he never skimped on anything, Al. He was you you saw him. He was the best of everything. He had so much passion for food and and feeding people and you know making sure everything was just perfect. So your dad gave me a yeah. lesson one day. I walked in there. And we had been talking about the food in the restaurant. And he actually pulls out two bags of mozzarella. And one's yeah. the good stuff that he's using and the cheap crap that everybody else uses. And he was You're showing right. me the difference. The old, uh, the cheap was watery. It was inconsistent. It wasn't real yeah. good. And then the other one was the pepperoni. Oh. When he came out and he's showing me what real good pepperoni looks like versus the garbage pepperoni that everybody uses, you just don't understand until you see it no. side by side. No. And your father was always about, it always. had to be done right. The sauce had to be made fresh. Your mom did it. The dough had to be uh, made right then and there on site. It was just pretty amazing yep. what they what they did and what they believed and how yep. they brought that down to you. So we are going to be done talking about them. We're going to talk about you. So you're still doing the sauce. Yeah, the sauce is still around. We're still doing great. We're in the grocery stores in the East Coast. So, um, yeah, it's fun. It's a, it's a good good quality product. You know, uh, we sell online, too, on Amazon. We sell on our website. So people try it, they love it, and they continue to buy it. Once again, we go back to the way my mom and dad taught us. Give them quality food, they will come back. You know, give them a quality product. A couple dollars more, it's okay, but you know where you're getting. It's not that garbage, like you said, you know. You can buy the the less expensive of anything, but that's what you're going to get: less quality, less expensive. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, good. We do very well with the sauce, and uh, hopefully, we continue with that as well. You got to treat yourself every once in a while. Spend a little more money on better ingredients, and it's amazing how the end result is so much better. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, Amelia, let's talk. What are you doing now? Well, <laughs> we go from food to electricity. <laughs> About uh, five years ago, Frank and I, I have to give my brother Frank, he's not here, credit, but Al, don't say anything about that. Anyways, um, <laughs> long story short, we got into the energy industry, and we now help businesses on their energy expenses. So about five years ago, we... Um, we I became very intrigued on in how the whole process works. So Frankie and I brainstormed, like, listen, how do we get this done? I took classes to um, become an energy broker, got my certificate. Frankie uh, does his part where he kind of networks with all the people that we already know. So, again, we only help businesses for now. But what we do is we are a full-service energy management company. We we talk to businesses that are in need of, you know, how to lower their energy costs, you know, their operating costs, whether it be can we procure an electric or natural gas rate that will help you save um, on your monthly expenses. So, Amelia, it's obviously you don't run a nuclear power facility and you're generating your own electricity. I have to believe no. this is probably no. similar to how they deregulated the phone industry. That's correct. So at one correct. point you could right. only get a local phone from one place. You could get long distance from them and that was it. And then when they opened it up, you could actually 
initially pick your long distance carrier, but you that, still let it get your local phone from them. That that is absolutely correct. So about twenty years ago, twenty twenty two years ago, they deregulated a lot of states. There's about eighteen states now that the consumer can pick and choose their third party supplier. They can they can choose if they want their supply either from the utility or if they want to shop around and be more conservative and actually, you know, control their costs, they go with a third-party supplier. And that's where we come in. We have relationships with the third-party suppliers where we can put a customer's invoices into our system and say, listen, this is who I have, customer A, B, and C. They, they do a blind bid where they go out there and say, okay, listen, no, I want this customer. Let's try to get them the best rate. So they go, you know, head to head, but they don't know what the other supplier is putting out for rates. We then, we then negotiate on on behalf of our customers and say, no, listen, try to get a better rate. How do we get them in a better situation? And after you know going back and forth, we then present the rates to the customer and say, this is this is your these are your choices. You can do any term that you like, whatever suitable for your business. You know, twelve months, eighteen months. You know. You want to go long term because you know you're going to be in your business for a very long time. Then you go 36 months, whatever. So, Amelia, the d- customer. there's no compromise in service. So, not like, oh, I signed up with you. I'm getting a better rate, but my power goes no. down every two weeks. Correct, right? It's with the utility um, and the utility company, right? Whether it be EverSource, UI, National Grid. Um, so, whoever that utility company is, that's the person, that's the company that you would have to be dealing with. Your third-party supplier who supplies the electricity, he's only selling the electricity. He doesn't service the electricity. So, yes, you are correct. What what they do, though, Al, is they have preferred energy as their go-to person. So if there is a situation on their energy bill and they say, my God, why am I being charged so much? There seems to be a problem. Instead of calling the utilities, they can reach out to us and say, listen, do you mind taking a look and seeing what's going on? We then analyze their bill and say, well, listen, why is your usage so high? What what did you do this month that seems, you know, totally not from the norm of your past few months, you know? So we can kind of help them out. They have a phone number that they can call or they can say, listen, um, now my third-party supplier got dropped. I'm with somebody else. What happens? So, so they have this as opposed to like the services. You're correct. Energy is the same. My electricity that I sell to you is the same as the other person. So they're buying preferred energy. They're trusting preferred energy to be their advisors on any of their energy needs. We take a look at their portfolio. Will would an energy efficiency audit help them to run more efficient? If they're running on those old lights and the old, you know, systems that they have, well, guess what? They're using more energy, more KWH, more power. Their utility bill will go up. Amelia, Amelia, hold on one second. I got Marcelo jumping up and down. He doesn't want to cut you off, but he's got a question. Hold on, Marcelo. Hey, I I also noticed I I did take a look at your website, and you do also uh, renewable energy sources. Uh, How does that fit in? So you're doing solar? We we do solar, yes. There's... there's, um, Yes, solar is now for just becoming so popular with everybody because of what's happening with the energy uh, market. Uh, what we do for solar is there's a couple of other there's, there's a couple of options. You know that we can put them on homes. We have it for commercial as well too. So for commercial businesses, they can actually they have a 
quite a few options. They can lease their roof and they sell the the energy, the sun, back to the utilities and then that's how they get paid um, for the energy that, that the sun the, that the solar array, you know, captured. So they can use that as a revenue stream, okay? They can also use the solar array as lowering their their energy bill. There could be some months where if it's super hot and it's, and it's sunny and, and the, the solar array just gathers up a lot of that energy, then their electric bill could be a negative. They actually have credit for the next couple of months. So the, it all depends. Again, we analyze the customer's, you know, needs. What is he looking for? Does he want to lower his electric bill? Does he want um, to lease his roof if it's a sizable roof and it makes sense for somebody to invest in a solar array on their roof? So there's not solar has become so popular now. I I, I agree with that, but I like we're here in Florida and we're not deregulated. And you're stuck by FPL, and the deal is like everybody's sends you markets to you facebook's you that oh we're looking for this we'll give you a free analysis we'll do this we'll do that we're looking for volunteers for a free program my butt they come to your house there's nothing free they give you a ninety thousand dollar proposal to put uh solar panels on your house and then there's two ways they do it one is the through the program where they take a loan and they attach it to your taxes so the loan goes to the taxes and it's paid through your taxes, which is never right. a good idea, ever a good right. idea. Uh, right. Or they're going to turn around and, I mean, whack the crap out of you up front. So I understand it's different in Connecticut and other states that that's not the way it works when you're putting solar on your house. Is that true? Uh, yes or no. It, it's called marketing. And um, what they do is they get you with the free solar, save money, you don't have to pay for anything. They don't, they don't go outside of that box because once you start digging deep, like you said, oh, well, it's free after five years, you know, once, you, once it's paid off or there's always something. So, no, nothing is free. Um, you have to be very careful with those catches, you know, where they say, hey, you know, we can do this for you. And you, so it all, it all depends. And, and every state is different, so I can't really speak for, for Florida but definitely up here, there's a lot of people that are going around saying, yes, we can put up free solar. But, you know. <laughs> but solar is something uh, that, that pays for itself, not right away, but a couple years down the road, when all that, of a sudden your savings comes up. And in some cases where you do sell the electricity back to the, to the uh, provider, right. and you make some more money there. It's, so that's it's, how well, yes. it's interesting here in Florida. So... There's multiple rates. So when you have the lower amount of energy you're using, you pay a smaller rate. And as you keep going, that rate gets higher as you reach plateaus. So it's interesting that by putting solar, you might be able to just lower your bill because what you'll offset and keep you at a lower rate. But the problem comes down to, in Florida, we have such a problem with homeowner's insurance that a lot of the homeowner's insurance companies are saying, yeah, we're not writing anybody with solar panels on the roof because they'd be responsible for damage. Well, part of that problem is because of the uh, hurricanes that can and the weather right. that come here into Florida as compared to up in the Northeast. So, right. Amelia, do yeah. you have any? Do you have a program? So, FPL down here has one. I have an electric car, and you pay thirty-one dollars a month for ten years. And if you charge your car off peak hours, they charge you zero amount of money for electricity. That that makes sense. Yeah, there's an off and on peak. Yeah. So 
So what happens with the off and on peaks is um, they're trying to get people to use their energy usage when it's not where the, everybody's doing it all at once. So that's why you'll see two different rates if you do have an on and off peak. Um, so yeah, it could be it could be zero dollars if you're doing the off peaks because it's at a time where you know maybe midnight nobody's using their electricity as much as they would you know as a nine to five kind of window there. But uh, no, I've never heard that though, Al, down south. So what'd you say it was like zero if you use it, use it off of the off peaks? Is that what you just said? Yeah, I'm paying. I pay thirty one dollars a month because I had the wire in my house. Otherwise, it's thirty eight a month, and yeah. it comes with the charger. They make you commit to 10 years. And what's wild is it's a program that it, I could plug it in during peak and it won't start charging till it gets to off peak. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So let's, like <laughs> let, let's talk about typical examples. So if I'm in South Windsor, Connecticut, and I have a little business and I'm running $800 a month in electricity, what's the typical savings with your program versus paying the traditional electric carrier? Okay, so... It's not the dollar amount, it's the KWH that, that you use, okay? And that dollar amount is, is factored in with two things, your usage, your KWH, and what your current rate is, okay? Whether it's through your the utility or third-party supplier. So we don't have, I can't, it's not, it's not a one answer for every... I'm not looking all, specifics, I'm looking for yeah. very general. So on an average. Very general, we probably could save about maybe 20 to 25 percent but that's a that's just a, a it's, it's super hard because some people use a lot of electricity and they have a wonder they have a super low rate and their bill could be less than somebody who uses a lot less energy but they have a very high rate so every every customer is very different and unique and um, what we try to do, Al, instead of saying, hey, I'm going to save you money, which is definitely the number one thing that we're here to do, we, all, we actually want to put them in a place where they um, reduce, like, long-term risk. Like, they don't have the uncertainties of, like, what's my next two years going to look like for my energy use. So when we give them, when we offer them a fixed, all-inclusive rate, based on the contract of, say, they sign for two years, that rate will be consistent. It will be fixed for the two years. They have a budget now, like for, and, and commercials are a lot different than residential, but they need to know what they're going to pay for the, for the utilities. So if they know that in the next two years they have X amount of dollars allocated for their expenses, then that's what we help them realize and make them aware that it's better to do this fixed rate than to just to go all over the board. Can we help them save money? Absolutely. If they have a higher rate than what we offer them. Then we say, well, listen, we also saved you money. Hey, can so there's a lot of different ways to go about this in a business uh, perspective of what's best for me. Do I do, I do a fixed, all-inclusive rate? Um, and that's, Amelia, so it's hard can, can we go back to the... Uh, Amelia, hold on one second. Marcel, once again, didn't want to interject, but he's not nearly as polite as I am. <laughs> what do you got? Hey, no, I wanted to go back to the renewable energy one more time just to ask, do you do anything with uh, wind, wind wind power? I do not. I do not, no. That no, was a simple yes or no? Yeah. Okay, so... Is that something you might simple. be looking into in the future, or...? We haven't gotten there yet. We work with a lot of channel partners, and um, I think that's starting to come aboard. Like, a lot of people are starting to kind of, like, 
dabble into that to say, hey, you know, what is it? But uh, but myself, our company, Preferred Energy, we have not. We have uh, not. Are you? Do you know? Are you in part of that? Industry no, or just, it's nothing to do with that. He's yeah. just wondering if you did. But listen, no. are you primarily hitting homes or businesses? businesses? All For right now, it's all businesses. But in the past two months, Al, we've gotten more, um, more requests to do homes because their rates up here. I, don't, uh, I know, Al, you're down south, but anybody, anybody else here in New England, rates have doubled, if not tripled. So someone who's paying their home, you know, um, electric bill for two hundred, they're looking at maybe five to six hundred dollars in a matter of a, of a month. Like one bill that was two hundred one month, the next month they're up to five six hundred dollars. Their rate has increased so dramatically. So in Massachusetts, in the Springfield area, their rate was eleven cents. The next month, which was I believe in December, they they're paying thirty three cents. I'd give Marcelo's left ball to have an average of $500 a month. <laughs> Sorry, Marcelo, <laughs> you're making a donation. So quick question. If you were to see 100 businesses, right, how many yeah. of those businesses would you be able to save money? You're asking a question that can't be answered. Yes, um, you can. On an average. I'm not asking you specific. Average. On average. If you were to say, I spoke to 100 uh, businesses. Probably, of those 100, how many of them do you think you're saving money? Probably, let's see, 100. Um, maybe some of them are not. Uh, I'm going to say about maybe 35 to 40%. Saving because they have a, they have a high rate because their rates are already high. They're with a supplier that is just you know gouging on their rates they didn't renew their contract the 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 previous broker did not monitor when their contract is ending and then they just roll over to this really high rate so sometimes people um think that the supplier is is bad oh that's a bad supplier they're charging me x amount of dollars and it's wrong it's either the customer or their broker did not monitor their contract and just like anything else when the contract expires if you don't let them know, hey, listen, I want to cancel it, don't renew it, they're going to automatically renew it. Like any any contract that you guys know of, and even like a magazine. Hey, um, listen, we're running out of time uh, here, but we need a couple of things from you. One, what's the website so that we know how to get a hold of you? www.nepreferredenergy.com And how about a phone number? 413 237-9071. And one more time for those of those of us who didn't get it right away. Sure. It's uh, www.n is in Nancy, E is an elephant, preferredenergy.com. 413-237-9071. What states do you want to hear from people? Any of the states that are deregulated, uh, the New England area is uh, probably the the most in pain right now because we get the highest rates. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, um, Maine, Rhode Island, super high, super high rates. Well, we appreciate you being here. We miss your pizza. Uh, <laughs> I, I miss you guys, and uh, we, we wish you the best too. of luck. That's awesome. Thank you. And Frank, next time you're on the show, you got to talk a little more. You hear me? <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> well, he couldn't provide right. as much information as she has. So. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Amelia. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3.